All right. Our sermon today is actually going to be various scriptures from uh, Romans. (laughs) That would be the wrong text. Revelation chapters 1 through 3. And so as we've been going through the uh, the churches in the book of Revelation, I was asked, could you do a, do a synopsis? And it's like, <laughs> oofta. <laughs> That's oofta. So as I was praying about that, I'm like, what would a synopsis of this look like? I was thinking about Christ, because he's the one that ties this all together. It's, it's Jesus. And so as we read, um, we're going to read... Actually, chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, if you'd please rise out of honor of God's word. Revelation 1, verses 12 through 16. That's found on page 1311 in your Black Pew Bible. Revelation 1, verses 12 through 13. I read in Jesus' name. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. Let us pray. Lord, as as we meditate on you, on a manifestation of you, on an image of you, we pray that you would bless this time and that you'd help us to see and to understand and to grow in Christ's likeness, we ourselves. Lord, that we might be who you want us to be unto your glory. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we, there's three points. Um, when we think about this, because the first, if you have noticed throughout All of these chapters, as we've looked at the churches in the book of Revelation, we're not going into the rest of Revelation. Um, I did have someone request that. And as much as I appreciate the confidence that you would have in me, that I would be able to make sense out of that, uh, it's... (sighs) Oofta. I have tried teaching on the book of Revelation, and it is is hard because there's so much going. There's so much there. Um, There's just so much there. But here... As we look at these, there's so much here too. But one of the things that strike that struck me is the fact that Jesus is in the midst of the lampstands. Remember, the lampstands are the churches, and so they are representations of the church. A lampstand is a representation of each church, and so each of these churches had its lampstand. And what does a lampstand do? Holds up the light. So if Jesus is in the midst of these lampstands and Jesus has eyes like flaming fire, what does that mean? That, we talked about that one week. That means that he can, he, can see, he, he can see through all of the darkness, all of the dimness, all of the, all of the obscurity 
that we put up. Jesus can see through that. He knows our hearts. He knows our motivations. We can't put fog in Jesus' eyes. We can't blow smoke in front of Jesus and have it work. You know, you guys have heard that phrase, well, they're just blowing smoke. Well, what does that mean? They're hiding something. They're blowing smoke. Well, Jesus, his eyes burn like a flaming fire. He sees through. And so he is in the midst of what's going on and he sees. He sees, he knows, he understands. And this is important because as we're interacting in this world, have you guys ever asked that question, does anybody, does anybody see what I'm doing? Does anybody appreciate? Does anybody care? And it's like, Jesus sees. It doesn't matter if nobody else sees the work that you've done. Jesus sees. He's in your midst. He's standing there with you. He sees. And so we're not, we're not alone. And so when God calls you, if he gives you an opportunity to pray in a closet and have nobody else know about it, he still sees. He still knows. Whether Jim knows or not, Jesus knows. And that's important. Because do any of our works, does, does, does any of our worship, does any of the things that we do out of love for God, do they go, do they get lost? They might get lost by people. They don't get lost by Christ. He sees. And so if I'm doing something to be seen by other people, does Jesus see that too? He does. Because he sees through my smoke. He's standing here in the midst of us and he sees into us. And that's important. Because that ties together all of these churches. Because all of these churches had stuff going on in them. Some of them have good stuff and some of them had bad stuff. But Jesus saw all of it. And he knew all of it. And because he doesn't see the smoke, he sees through it, he also judges rightly. Because I don't judge rightly. Have any of you ever been wrong? <laughs> Levi raised his hand. Attaboy, Levi. Uh, Anton did too. I'm glad to see that you guys are willing to acknowledge that you're wrong. That'll serve you well when you get married. Um, <laughs> right, Ken? Yeah. No, <laughs> Ken's never wrong. Just ask Kathy. Jesus judges rightly. I have misjudged people. I have misjudged people positively and negatively. I've done both. I've thought higher of someone than they should have been thought. And I've thought lower of someone than they should have been thought. But Jesus judges rightly because Jesus sees. Jesus sees into the very heart of everything that we do. He sees all of our motivations. He knows when I'm just being stubborn and I'm trying to justify it. You guys probably never have dealt with that in yourselves either. But he sees that in me. He sees me making excuses and he knows it's just an excuse, Joe. Because he judges rightly. His eyes are a flaming fire. You know, and that's, that's humbling and that's joyous too. Um, I don't remember where my father-in-law got it from. I ran across it randomly uh, outside of him, but he sometimes will quote the quote, uh, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> and you know what's going on there? If people are judging wrongly. They will misjudge. They will misjudge out of all sorts of reasons. They, they won't understand. We, we can't look to people to judge properly. 
Because if I'm looking to other people to judge me so that I know where I'm at, if I'm looking to you guys for approval, how do I know that I'm doing things right? Well, my congregation approves of me. Well, how can I trust your judgment? Can I trust your judgment? You guys, I might, I might just be fooling you guys. I might be really good at blowing smoke. I had a pastor friend of mine. Um, he, was, he had been talking to his mentor. And he said, when I do my mentor's sermon, I had one request from him. I said, well, what's that? And he goes, that I don't preach him into heaven. <laughs> what? He said, you don't know where my soul is. And so when you preach my funeral sermon, don't preach me into heaven. Tell them about Jesus. Don't tell them about where I'm at. Because you don't know. Because none of us can know. We can't see. You, I can't see your guys' hearts. I can see your guys' shirts, but I can't see any deeper than that. I don't know what's going on behind that. So I can't judge properly, either to the positive or to the negative. I can look at your fruit and say, you know, that's good fruit and that's bad fruit. I can look at an action and say, well, that's what Jesus has called us to do and what Jesus hasn't called us to do. But I can't see the motivation. And Jesus does. And so I could do the right thing and everybody hate me for it. And God still sees it rightly. He understands it properly. And so if I'm looking to you guys for assessment, I'm on shaky ground. Because you guys can't see my motivation. You can't see my heart. And you can't see the future. Jesus knows these things. He judges properly. And that is both comforting and terrifying. Have you ever heard someone say, you can't judge me, only God can judge me. It's like, God will judge you. And that's what's scary. Because Jesus judges. Because as we go through the book of, you know, these churches in the Revelation, Jesus judges them. You know, I know your works. 2, verse 2. Um, I know your tribulation, your poverty. 2, verse 9. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. 2, 13. But uh, two fourteen. But I have a few things against you. Oh, about that. Two nineteen. I know your works, your love, and faith, and service, and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you. This is who Jesus is. So as we're thinking about the churches in the book of Revelation, we need to think about them in light of who Jesus is. He is the one who sees and he is the one who judges. He has the right to judge because he is the Son of God after all. And he has the ability to judge because he is the Son of God after all. Chapter 3. I know your works. I know your works. I know your works. This is Jesus. So as you interact with Jesus, this is the Jesus you interact with. I know your works. I see them. And I judge them properly. And so, what's our responsibility in that? Because we hear this. What's our responsibility? Do we have responsibility? It's like, oh, okay, this is Jesus. Cool. He sees. He knows. He judges. Awesome. I'm going to go about and do my own work. No. Because he who sees and he who judges, I guess I should have had for this last one, 
Out of his mouth comes the sharp two-edged sword. He also guides and he also directs. Because that's what that means. It cuts both ways, both to the positive and to the negative. Do you know that Jesus has the ability to both build up and to tear down properly because he knows? What's our responsibility then? As we hear him, it's to walk in that. Because that's our call. Your faithful, your patient endurance, your faithfulness. This is what Jesus commends them for. He who conquers. What are we conquering? We're conquering our own sin. We don't conquer, we don't conquer America. That's not my call. My call is to conquer Joe. My sinful self. In light of what Christ is doing. What he calls me to. Because he sees, he sees me. Not only does he see me, he sees us. And you know what? As a pastor, I praise God that he sees us because I would be lost. It was on me. Um, for our men's, men's group, Lindy has been encouraging us to pray not only for, but also pray with our wives. And I was thinking about that one day and a friend of mine who was, had been on the World Mission Prayer League Home Council with me about six years ago now, um, I feel old when I start saying stuff like that. Uh, Johan, what's his name? And he prayed with his wife every night. And not only did he pray that God would bless her, but in her presence, in their, you know, she would do the same thing before him. They would confess their sins in each other's presence. Not to each other, but in each other's presence. And he said it was so beneficial for him to know that the Holy Spirit was working in his wife's heart and it was so beneficial for his wife to know that the Holy Spirit was working in her husband's heart because that relieved them of the burden of judging their spouse. Of nagging their spouse to be better, to do better. Because they knew that the Holy Spirit was already at work ahead of them. And they could pray and they could intercede. So then, what is our responsibility? It's to be faithful towards Christ. Because we can trust that the Holy Spirit is at work. He is moving. He is working in this world. We can praise him for that. And so we are, what are we called to? Faithfulness to he who speaks. He whose out of his mouth comes the double, the two-edged sword. That's him. That is Christ. We're faithful to him. So where he speaks, do we listen? Do we hear? Do we walk? Or do we say stuff like, it's not that big of a deal. Does Jesus think it's that big of a deal? No one will ever see. No one will ever know. He sees. He knows. Nobody cares. No, Christ judges. It's him that we seek. It's him that we honor. It's him that we worship. It's him. It's him. And so it's because of that both in the positive and the negative, both in, I should do this because Christ sees and I can do this because Christ sees. So what does that mean? Because Christ sees, he's the one who's called me into this. He's the one who's given me this opportunity. I see it as a responsibility some days. As, okay, I'll be honest, as pastor of Hosanna, I see that as a responsibility some days and I see that as an opportunity other days. Like I am so blessed to get to do my job. And other days, okay, God, why did you put me here? What did I do wrong? (laughs) 
Yes, that prayer has come out of my mouth. Um, I'll just be honest. What did I ever do wrong here? But because Christ sees, he's the one that's placed me in this situation. He's the one that's giving me this opportunity. He's the one that's called me into the quiet. He's the one that's called me into the secret. He's the one that has called me to say the things that nobody else wants to say. He's the one that has given me this opportunity to proclaim his word into this world. He sees, he saw, and he put me here. He judges, he knows, so he put me here. So he cares. I suppose that's the end-all, beat-all of all of this. Of all the churches in the book of Revelation, you know what? Jesus cares. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about us. He cares. He isn't some God that's far off. Whatever, you go and do your thing. Doesn't matter. Yeah, sure, I've told you to do that, but I don't really care. You ever had someone tell you, say that? I said that to my kids. You want to do that? Okay, that's fine. I don't care. It's not going to hurt me. It's going to hurt you. That's not really true that I don't care. Otherwise, I wouldn't have to follow it up. <laughs> but Jesus cares. He's in our midst. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we know. This is what draws all of these churches together. He sees, he knows, he judges, he speaks and he calls us to himself. Trust me. Walk in my ways. It's better. It's going to be hard at times, but it's always better. Don't worry about what other people think. I'm the one that judges. Don't listen to whoever we have the tendency to listen to. That's not Christ. Listen to me. Walk in my ways. Conquer. Because that's where the battle is. It's between me and Jesus. The Christian who conquers is a Christian who surrenders to Jesus. Make sense? Any questions? Kevin. You talked about earlier uh, building up and tearing down. Yep. So a lot of the things that you talked about all the way through, all the way to the end here, were building up and really tearing down. Where were you going with that comment? It seemed kind of out of place when you said it to me, I guess. Well, Christ, so the two-edged sword cuts both ways. It has the ability to tear down. It has the ability to build up. And so I think about... <laughs> Um, my, so my dad has, over the ages, um, bought a lot of old CRP land that went into CRP in the 80s and it was never taken care of. And so what happens to land that's never taken care of? It gets trees. And so some of those trees we've left because they've been doing what we want them to do. And all the other ones we've taken out because they're not doing what we want them to do. We wanted field. We want you know, trees to block the wind and to stop the blowing and whatnot because we have very fine soil up there. Those of you who care about soil will understand that. The rest of you, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of fine soil up there and so it drifts. And so we need trees to block the wind at the edges of the fields. But then at the same time, we don't want trees in the middle of our fields because corn harvesters do not like having random willow trees <laughs> out in their fields. And so when Christ builds up, what's he doing? He's saying, this is the stuff that you need to keep in your life. 
Kevin, there are good things in your life and you need to keep them there and you need to keep encouraging them and you need to keep cultivating them too. But in your life, there are things that you don't want. There are things that are going to hold you back. There are going to be things that are going to wreck your beanhead if they're not taken care of. And so there, Christ tears down because we don't need those things in our lives. I don't need sin in my life. It doesn't help anywhere. It doesn't do any good. Just like I don't want rocks in my field. It's like I don't want willows growing in my field. They've got to be torn down. They've got to be taken out. They've got to be dealt with. And so when Christ says, this is sin, and who calls us on it, when he convicts us of sin, how many of you have ever been convicted of sin? You realize, just suddenly realize, like, I've been doing this wrong. I have. Reading your Bible, listening to a sermon, listening to a song. I was listening to a song the other day. It wasn't even a Christian song. And it's like, wow, they were right and I was wrong. That's what happens when I listen to uh, cowboy music on grandpa's radio. Uh, <laughs> most of this stuff's garbage, but some of it's pretty good. Um, and I was like, wow. And, and the Holy Spirit just convicted me of my sin. Like, Lord, forgive me for that. And so that's repentance. And so when he tears down, he calls us to repent. He says, you've got to fix that. There's something in your life that's wrong. And whether, whatever that was. For me, it was trying to impress someone. That's what it was. It's like I was feeling bad that other people were looking down on me for something. And the question came, why do you care? You're not serving them. And I was listening to cowboy music, and God can do that. How powerful is God that he can, he can even work through country music? <laughs> Those of you who are country fans out there, I, I'm sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> but I'm, I'm joking. But that's when Christ tears down. When he builds up, he says, this is something good. See this good thing? You need to keep encouraging that. You need to keep cultivating that. You need to keep building that up, growing that, because those are the things that we want. That's what we need here. And so when Christ speaks, that's, that's that conquering. Because I, in my sinful self, I want what I want and not what Christ wants. So where does the battle come in? Who is going to be Lord over Joe? Is it going to be Joe? Or is it going to be Jesus? Because for some reason, Joe thinks he knows better than Jesus. And that is where Christ needs to tear down. Christ needs to teach Joe that Joe's not in charge. Pierces, and she's as opposed to a similar sword, which is, which is slices. Uh, so that's why you know, the pinpoint of Jesus helps us with is to point out matter of fact. Okay. Interesting. That's a that's a that's a good application of that too. So what Doug just said, quoting Timothy Keller was that a double-edged sword will also pierce, and so it pinpoints, as opposed to a single-edged sword, which just slices. Double-edged sword can pierce and can pinpoint. And so when Christ interacts with us, he doesn't just do it generally. He does it specifically. It isn't, you're worthless. Have you guys ever heard that voice come in your head? You're a failure. You're worthless. You're whatever. That's Satan coming in and draw, painting with a broad brush. Whereas Jesus comes and says, you're loved, Here's something to work on. 
Here's this. Here's that. Will you repent of this? Will you confess that? Will you encourage this? And so it's a good application of the double-edged sword. Thanks, Doug. Any other questions or thoughts? It doesn't just have to be a monologue, you guys. All right. Well, if not, the church is in Revelation. It's all about who Jesus is. Because of who Jesus is, this is how he interacts with us. So wherever we're at in America, or for the church in Laodicea, for the church in Smyrna, I don't know. That's beyond my pay grade. Ask Roger. But who I know is Jesus. And so I can trust that as we're reading his word, as we're interacting with him, as we're spending time in prayer, as we're spending time in the fellowship, God will pinpoint. Pinpoint both to encourage and to build up and pinpoint in order to tear down and to destroy, to remove those things out of your life that are just hindrances to you. Because my sin, you know, in, in my long 40 years now, um, I'm going to have to quit using that joke one of these days because that's a long time now. <laughs> my, yeah. Rachel was telling me how old I was the other day. Yeah. I appreciate that, beautiful. Um, my sin has never benefited me. Never has benefited me. If it's after it's been repented of, then I can use it. But before it's been confessed and repented of, of, it's never helped. It's never worked. It's always hurt. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for teaching us about Jesus. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is at work pinpointing. We thank you that you both build us up and tear us down. We thank you that you see our works and you see us. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you, you even work with us. Your call in our lives to seek you and to follow you and to love you and to know you, to trust you, to submit to you. We thank you. We praise you. Lord, you are so good. Guide us in our walk with you, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.